Hey everyone, welcome to The Daily Word. I'm really glad that you've joined me. And for our Daily Word today, we're in the book of Genesis chapter 5. And I'd like to read verses 21 to 27 for you. And then let's talk just for a few minutes today about the, the essence of eternal life. So if you would, hear the word of the Lord. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. Well, we uh, are a bit taken aback, to say the least, when we read the ages of these folks. And, um, and the question, of course, is, how is it that these people lived so long? A uh, quick piece of Bible trivia, uh, who is the oldest man recorded in the Bible? Well, of course, uh, it's Methuselah, who lives 969 years. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't know how many people do this anymore, but I know that uh, we, we have joked uh, with one another, in uh, at least in times past, about being as old as Methuselah. And, and so why is it? How, how is it that people would live this long? And one of the suggestions is that, well, maybe the, the scale of time was, was different in those days. And I, and I, I guess I get that idea, but that, uh, that doesn't seem likely. Um, what, what you see, interestingly enough, which I think argues against this sort of different time scale, is you, you go from chapter 5, and then as we get to chapter 11, you'll see this between uh, chapter 11, verse 16 and, and 24. We read this, uh, when Eber was 34 years old, he became the father of Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Eber lived another 430 years and had no other sons, and, and had rather, had other sons and daughters. And then you'll see uh, when Nahor, this is verse 24, when Nahor was 29 years old, he became the father of Terah. After the birth of Terah, Nahor lived another 119 years and had other sons and daughters. So keep that in mind now. And we turn to Genesis 25. And when we get there in our reading, you'll see in verse 7 where it says, Abraham lived 175 years. Uh, then, if we could just take one more step to Psalm 90 and verse 10, this is what we read there. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. And, and of course, um, that's essentially where the kind of on broad average where life expectancy is, is kind of settled. And, and what we see is, is God actually showing us 
the winding down of lifespan, uh, first of all, from eternal in the Garden of Eden as God sets humankind there, from eternal to, let's just say, roughly a thousand years to roughly a hundred years. There is a winding down of life. Death comes into the world because of sin. And you see the, the loss of that longevity, the curse of sin that takes life from eternal to a thousand to a hundred years. Now, we read in Romans chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So, just as sin ruled over all people and brought them death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we see that Adam's one act of disobedience causes this winding down uh, from eternal life to a thousand to a hundred. But Jesus' act of righteousness in accordance with the will of the Father, His cross, taking our sins upon the cross, suffering and dying for us, brought reconciliation to God, forgiveness, and eternal life. And friends, at the heart of eternal life is this restoration to God. Uh, those who, who only want Jesus because they get to live forever are truly missing the point. And that is that, that the Lord God is eternal life. Knowing Him, living for Him, intimacy with Him is eternal life. Just living forever apart from God uh, is actually, if you think about it, torturous. To just go on day after day in, in struggle and in separation from God with no real purpose, no real telos or end, purposeful end. And, and in fact, this is, um, this is, friends, the essence of hell. Uh, those who don't want anything to do with God now, it is a strange thing to think that they would truly want eternity with God. And in fact, they don't. And friends, many people uh, have this idea that we're merely physical beings and that when we die, we simply cease to exist. But, but in our heart of hearts, we all know that we are not mere, mere physical beings that there is much more to us than that, that we, we are spiritual beings, that we have a soul, an eternal soul. And friends, that eternal soul has a destiny. In Christ Jesus, that destiny is eternal life with God, turning from God, rejecting God, refusing God, 
God will allow us to have what we want, and it will be an eternity without God, an eternity that is focused and fixated more and more inward, turning in and in and in on ourselves. It is a torturous end that is chosen because it is separation from God that will be complete, a complete separation. Right now, even those who have rejected God right now are, are the, the recipients of what John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, called provenient grace. Even now, that provenient grace is upon them, is, is pouring out God's goodness on them, is seeking to draw them to God, but not beyond this life. The pursuit of our hearts, friends, must be God himself, not just more life, not just mere existence, but life, true life in God. It is meaningless without him. You know, um, we do, uh, I think, tend to be most impressed with Methuselah as we're reading through and, and seeing the numbers that this guy puts up. I mean, 969 years. I, I've, got a, I've got a friend who's over 100 years old, but um, <laughs> that's, that's like a spring chicken compared to Methuselah. But, but my goodness, it seems to me that we should be much more impressed with Methuselah's father, Enoch. Listen again just to a few verses of, of Genesis 5 here about, uh, about Enoch. It says here, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And oh my, how those 300 years must have, must have just flown by in fellowship with God he had other sons and daughters. He lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. He, it seems, became so close to God, had such intimacy with God that as they walked in this life, God just took his hand and, and brought him across, uh, across that river into, into heaven. And and so, friends, thinking on this, let's, um, let's make our goal to have that, to have that. That is, to live in close fellowship with God, walking day to day with Him, so that, and, and this is something that Dallas Willard said uh, before he passed just a few years ago, uh, he talked about the, the very real possibility that in this life, in the spirit, we could, we could get so close to God that we barely notice when we pass from this life into heaven and we, we know this full fellowship. Uh, it will seem like, like, a, like a step from I'm close to God to now I'm just fully with God. And so let's pursue, friends, this, this intimacy with God that Enoch knew in his life. And may it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And friends, till we have a chance to speak again, I pray that God would bless you and that he would keep you.